Not a question, it's a statement. And uh, I'm glad that you've chosen to be here today. You know, I want to remind you that the 20th, we're going to have back to Sunday school, back to church Sunday. And we want you to invite your friends and relatives and people that you come in contact with. It's okay to come back to church. We're stronger together. And uh, we want you to be a part of that. Uh, And we want you to know that Jesus loves you unconditionally. And he put you exactly where he can use you. And he puts you exactly in this body for such a time as this. You know, I want to talk about 19 years ago, and I don't want to uh, belabor the bad points of things that took place on that uh, 9-11, and, uh, but I do want to talk about it. You know, those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. We need to learn from what we've gone through. Um, I've had, I mentioned in Sunday school that I've had people say, well, didn't your church grow after 9-11? And I'll say, not really. People were searching for God in a lot of aspects, but that didn't really increase the, the people of our church. Uh, for a little while it did. But now here we are, 19 years later. Has your life been affected by what took place that day? All of us have changed the way we fly and changed the way we travel. And now we're in a new age. We're in a different type of a scenario with our country in upheavals and and problems everywhere you go. It's hard to travel from state to state. Um, and And it's a different kind of a scenario. But we need to remember some things. We need to not forget God. In everything that we go through, God's allowed our country to go through some very trying times. And uh, he's allowed us as individuals to go through some difficult times. But don't forget God. Don't forget where he's brought you from. Just like we talked about in Sunday school, he brought the children of Israel to a place Go in, possess the land. And um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter number 12. Just going to look at a few verses in Romans 12. And stand with me when you find it. Out of respect, if you're able to. uh, Out of respect for God's word. It says in Romans chapter number 12... So many places I want to start. How about verse 3? For I say, through the grace given unto you, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent 
in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another, mind not high things. But condescend to men of low estate, be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him to drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. It's kind of where I want to capitalize on that verse today. And so thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Life moves on. We move on. You know, in spite of what we've gone through, we, we have to pick ourselves up and ask the Lord to help us, <clears throat> excuse me, get through some things. And we trust Him with the results. We don't, we don't linger in the past and try to wallow in what we've gone through. We try to keep pressing toward the mark, as Paul said. We keep going forward. We keep pressing on. And so I, I, I know that um, everything that happens is not from God, but he allows it to happen. The devil tries to confuse. The devil tries to deceive. He is a liar from the beginning. And uh, we try to get back to a normal way of life. Now we're 19 years later and we're trying to get back to a similar, similar uh, attitude of a normal way of life. And so what I saw a nation doing was trying to get back to normal uh, years ago. If God didn't fit their lifestyle, and He still doesn't in some respects, and doesn't conflict with their religion, that's the new normal. And so it doesn't provoke us toward godliness. Maybe patriotism, but it doesn't provoke us towards God. It strengthened our resolve as Americans to be more patriotic but not more godly. And that's a sad thing. And so crime and murder are higher than ever. Drinking, drug addiction is up more than ever. Our role models have no restraints, or so-called role models, for their compulsion to live ungodly lives and to push their uh, political agendas down the throats of those who will listen. Our political and economic system is failing quickly. The moral fabric to everyday society is on the decline. Church attendance is on the decline. Hopefully it's on the rebound. And people are, it's okay to come back to church. I'm going to keep saying it because it is okay to go to church. Church attendance needs to be our priority and, and supporting our local church. Our, it seems like priorities are all messed up. And uh, we think about the events of that day and even the day that we're going through now. And it, it causes us to even shed tears as we think and look. And it was a senseless act. Until we get to the place that God is a priority in our lives, then we'll be nothing more than patriotic instead of God. 
How to overcome evil with good instead of being overcome with evil. That's what the Bible says. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. We want to take things into our own hands and we want to, I'll get even with you attitude. And I, I think that's the wrong attitude. 75% of Americans said they felt depressed after 9-11-2001. The question is, how are you feeling today? It's 19 years later. Some of you are still depressed, but not because of that. Maybe you're off your meds. I don't know. But when we think about God is sufficient for me, He's sufficient for all of us. He's sufficient. His blood cleanses us from all sin. Some events in human history impact us so greatly that we are for, will forever remember the circumstance surrounding that event where we heard the news. Some can never forget where uh, sitting in a classroom where JFK was executed and his assassination and they reported that over some of the public school PA systems or watching as Christy McAuliffe went off into space, the first female and the first teacher that goes off into space and to never return. And so it ended so abruptly, so tragically. And I'll never forget, 19 years ago, where I was, and I don't want to go into it. We had the Christian school, and we brought a TV in with a coat hanger as the antenna, and we got the news channel, and just about the time we got it clear, the second plane hit. And I want to ask an attempt to answer the question that's puzzled many of us over these years on that horrific day. How could we become better rather than bitter because of what took place that day? Lessons that we can learn. Well, I know we're going through different lessons today, different trials, different difficulties, different set of circumstances. And it's almost like it we've forgotten about that 19 years ago. I mean, it's on the TV and they show the clips from things that have happened and they have testimonies that took place. They show the memorials that were built in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. They show New York City and they show different aspects, the Pentagon, and they show all kinds of things that should bring up memories in our life, but it's, it's overshadowed by what we're going through now. It's kind of this virus has overtaken our lives in a lot of different respects. The mask has become more important to us than anything else in history. And so I ask, where is God in your life? Where is your relationship with God right now? It should be drawing closer. And I mentioned in Sunday School once again that our conversation for the last seven months has been the virus, masks, how angry people are. It hasn't been over talking about Jesus much, except if the conversation comes to Jesus. We need to be telling people about Jesus. You know why? Because our time is short. As a Christian, we know that we're not going to be here forever. Life is a vapor where you appear for a little time and then vanish away. We're going to end up spending eternity either in heaven or in hell. And our job as Christians, as disciples of Jesus Christ, as followers, not fans, as someone that wants to live an example to a lost and dying world, needs to be concerned about our neighbors, about people, about those that don't know Christ. You might be the only Jesus that anybody ever sees. 
Scripture commands us here not to overcome, be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good. Did you know our battle's not against flesh and blood? It's against something that we can't see. It's against principalities and powers and against the rulers of darkness of this world. That's what the Bible says. Spiritual wickedness in high places. But how do you do that? Well, we do it on our knees. We pray. We trust. We believe. We put our faith to practice. We don't get scared and cower in our bunkers and we don't try to shoo the evil away. We trust the Lord. We get serious about our relationship with God because in times of distress, in times of war, in times of difficulty, in times of disease, it's when our faith is is going to be lived out. It's not going to be lived out when things are going well, although it should be. We don't trust the Lord as much when things are going good. But when things are going bad, we learn to trust the Lord more than ever before. But I think we should trust the Lord all the time. Trust His hand of guiding our lives and guiding the church, guiding our president, guiding His cabinet, guiding the country, guiding the world. You see, some people believe that God spoke the world into existence. He has nothing to do with it. After those seven days of creation, that's it. You're on your own. No, no. He sustains this earth exactly where it is. He sets up kings and he causes them to fall. He sets up kingdoms and he causes them to fall. Overcome, that word from the Greek, you know what it means? To mightily prevail over, to master to be victorious. Did you know you can either, in every situation, be a victim? We live in a victim mentality society. Or a victor. I'm more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. Did you know that? If you're a Christian, you are too. You're not a victim. Don't live in a victim society that everybody's a victim of something. And you may be a victim of a bad situation or something that has gone wrong in your life. But God wants you to be a victor, more than an overcomer. Too many believers are, falling, are failing to experience the consistent victory over anger, fear, self-centered response to adversity. You know, Jesus wants us to experience all of his fullness, everything that he is, of all of its abundance, but too many are allowing themselves to be defeated by the world, the flesh, and the devil. And did you know you will be defeated if you allow it to creep in? The Bible says take every thought captive. Put it in jail. But so, many, so much of the time we're putting ourselves in jail instead of the thoughts. Our thoughts keep us captive. We're to put the thoughts in captivity. And so when we think about the situation, poor us... Uh, Wait a minute, rise above the circumstance. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, right? Do we believe that or do we just say it? Is it something that we know is know to be true, but we don't practice? We just it's part of the scripture, so we memorize it. Wait a minute, he's greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Overcome praise uh, with praise to God. You see, we're already a conqueror. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. You want to look back 
chapter 8, verse number 37. Look in verse number 36. It says, As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You know, our desire as a human is to, uh, to get even with people. We're going to get even. When you least expect it, expect it. That's what we used to say in the academy. And uh, we would try to get even with each other and slap each other in the back of the neck. And I'm sorry, Jason. I may have done that a time or two. But when we think about God getting even for us, he's going to take care of the problem. He's going to take care of his child. He's going to take care of the church. And he's going to take care of the enemy. One of these days, the devil will have no say. He can argue. He can try to persuade. He can lie. He can do everything in his power, but it's limited. And God says, that's enough. God will banish him to outer darkness. He will cast him into the lake of fire forever. Boy, that's going to be a great day. But we don't need to give in to his thoughts or his power right now. He's trying to disrupt God's unity. And he's dis tried to disrupt the church. He's tried to disrupt Christianity. He's tried to do every dispensation. He's tried to have the upper hand. But God says you can only go so far. And God won't allow the devil to go further than he allows him to. And what we have to learn to do is trust God's hand. We can't see what he's doing, but we know the outcome. We know the outcome is to bring glory is for us to bring glory to Him. That's our purpose. You were created to bring God glory. Did you know that? I don't know if you read that in your, your Bible. My Bible says that. We're created to bring Him glory. And so overcome with praise to God. I think we just need to appropriate the victory already enjoyed by Christ by being what Paul said, steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because we know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so too many fail to appropriate or recognize or utilize the power of God to help them do everything that God asks us to do. The task is monumental. It's unbelievable. How are we going to accomplish this? Well, the same way the disciples did. Remember what the world said about the disciples? These men that turned the world upside down? Well, actually, they were turning it right side up. They were trying to turn it right side up. And uh, we can't experience what it is to be an overcomer unless we recognize and thank God for what we have in our own lives and our identity in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.22 And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all things. Boy, praise God for giving us the overcoming power to become a member of his body. But then there's something else. Overshadow any opposition with his mighty power. The devil doesn't want us to succeed. Does not want God to succeed. Does not want Christianity to succeed. But you know what? We have to overshadow it with something more prominent, more preeminent. And that's Jesus Christ. You know, Mary, she learned how to make something really important. She pondered things in her heart. 
you know, when the angel came to him, uh, came to her and, and said something to her, she said, how shall this be? I don't even know a man. I have never had a relationship with anybody. He said this, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. With God. And then verse 35, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing shall be born, that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Overlook one another's faults. To overlook is to fail to notice, to ignore, to look beyond. Proverbs 19, verse 11. The, desecra- the discretion, excuse me, not desecration, the discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. It's one thing to point things out. It's another thing to overlook it. Now, I'm not saying overlook sin, and that's not what it's talking about. Learn to be bigger than the problem through the power of Christ. Because sometimes we want to exacerbate the problem and we want to point out the problem. And guess what? Every time you point at somebody else's problem, you've got fingers pointing back at you. And so we have to live peaceably among all men. We have to learn to trust the Lord. Every servant stands or falls to his own master. And you know what? Isn't Christ our master? Isn't Christ the one we should be serving? It's easy to look at others' faults and demand our rights and the lawsuits that were going on and people were quick to demand their rights. And so uh, we're to overcome with forgiveness. That's something that's foreign to our way of thinking. It will break the cycle of retaliation and lead to a, a thing called reconciliation. The alternative is terrible if you think about it. Returning evil for evil hurts us just as much as it hurts somebody else. Forgiving Another person frees you from the heavy load of bitterness that defiles too many people. I've been involved with a lot of funerals, and it's at those times that make or break families. It make or break families. What do I mean? It shows the true colors of people at the end of their life. People want to have what they want, and they want to do what they want, and say what they want, and... No repercussions. But let me tell you, that shouldn't be the only time the family gets together. All through life, we take for granted the family of God. We take for granted until it's been taken away from us, until we can no longer meet together. What happens if they say you can't meet together? You're going to start getting fined. You say, oh, that would never happen here. Well, I thought it never happened in the U.S. Church on the West Coast is up to $100,000 fines so far for meeting together and singing. Can you believe it? God help us. God help us. God help them because they're doing exactly what we're doing today. Maybe not in the building, outside the building, praising the Lord, preaching the word, living a gospel testimony in the community for over 40 years. And you know what? God is not slack concerning His promise, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Doesn't mean everybody will get saved. I wish it did. But boy, I tell you, when you see the mistreatment of God's people, it needs to be fervent in our prayer request about God taking care of His own. 
It needs to be fervent in our prayer request for God to take care of us and to watch over the family. But we become callous. People who are overflowing with the fruit of the Spirit will be able to replace any negative tendency with righteousness, godliness, faith, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. A person who has a close walk with the Lord, His Spirit, His Word, overflow us to the fruits of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, goodness. There's a quote that says, He cannot... He that cannot quietly bear an injury is perfectly conquered by it. Overpower with Christ's mighty power. Philippians 4.13, Paul said, Now, this is somebody that's been maligned by this world's philosophy, thrown in jail, whipped, beat. This is what he said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can do all things. We claim that verse, yet we fail to live out the verse. We need to plug into the power source of Jesus Christ and His Word, His presence, His love needs to overshadow us so that when people meet us, there's got to be something different about us. We go through life not knowing the future, but we know the one who holds the future. It should bring peace that passes understanding. It should bring us to a place of understanding His way is best. We can become bitter. We can become victims. But that's not where God wants us to rest. We need to be victors in Jesus Christ. We can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. You see, God's got a plan for our lives. I'm so thankful for his plan. Don't know exactly the minute details of the plan. He only reveals a little bit at a time. He only shows me part of the jigsaw puzzle, not the whole thing at one time. And you know, we're just one piece of the puzzle. Everyone has a purpose. Everyone he saves has a purpose. And so don't doubt or fret or get sidetracked by unimportant things that uh, it's like insects that can be warded off with the black flag. The devil wants to ward us off. Uh, you know, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 says, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, not by powers, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Then we overrule with the power of the Holy Spirit's presence. You ever sense the Holy Spirit working in your life? I mean, He is still working. The Bible says He's going to be withdrawn from this earth. I said about a decade ago, about 10 years ago, I said, man, it seems like, it feels like, and I don't go by feelings, but it seems like the, the Holy Spirit is being removed from this earth. There's not really any conviction anymore of wrongdoing and people just gloss over sin and people just don't care anymore and apathy sets in and it's like the Holy Spirit's being withdrawn. Oh, He's not gone yet. But one of these days, there's not going to be any conviction. Consciences are seared with a hot iron, the Bible says. In other words, it doesn't affect them that they sin. It doesn't affect them that they do wrong and it's okay. And let me tell you, it's not okay. It's not right. 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. Don't complain. It's easy to complain. That's what we've been doing for the past seven months. I, I, I'll be honest with you, I've been guilty of it too. It makes me upset and angry in some respects to uh, see the direction and, and, and how you're forced to accept some things that are not true. Hey, if God be for us, then who can be against us? It's his battle. It's all his battle. This earth, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Remind yourself that. Say that with me. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Say it again. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Some of you aren't getting it yet. One more time. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And hopefully you believe that. Because nothing surprises God. Nothing. It surprises us, but doesn't surprise Him. We get downtrodden and we feel bad. And let me tell you, Christians have been persecuted throughout history. Throughout history, they've been put to death. They've been burned at the stake for what they believe. They've been drowned. They've been all kinds of atrocities taken for Christians, uh, for the sake of Christ. Don't think it's some strange thing that's taking place right now for us. God's on, in control. He's on watch. And any parent who watches a child is going to be extra protective of somebody that's going to hurt them. God's going to let Satan go so far and he says, that's enough. That's enough. And one of these days, we won't have to worry about it anymore. We have to learn to not overreact. They tell you when you're in driving school uh, to not overcorrect or else you'll go off the road. And we've seen many people who who they'll be looking this way and the car drifts that way and then they overcorrect and end up in your lane. Well, we need, need to learn not to overreact to this world's antics and this world's philosophy and the, the demonic things that are going on. It has nothing to do with us. It has to do with the demons, the powers that are in place. People who allow minor offenses to be blown out of proportion are giving in to those emotions instead of thinking objectively about our responsibilities. Don't overreact. Um, you know, there's, there's a guy on Seinfeld. I don't watch Seinfeld too often. His name is Kramer. He always overreacts to everything. Am I right? Every time he, you know, gets in, he just overreacts to everything that happens. And some people live their lives like Kramer. They're overreact to everything. Uh, don't be like that. Remember, remind yourself, God is in control. God is in control. God is in control. Because if, if we believe it, if we say it enough, we'll believe it. There are people that will say a lie enough times they'll believe the lie. Well, why not just tell yourself the truth? God is in control. He's never lost control. He's never let things slip past his grip. He knows what's going on. And so rest assured, we have to be faithful to him right up until death, right up until the rapture, right up until he takes us home. And so don't overstate your difficulties. Many people have a tendency to strong, uh, state too strongly or exaggerate uh, the hardships. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 
There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. God is faithful. That's the next phrase says, but God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. See, so many times the people will say, I just want to be taken out of the temptation. I want to be taken from this situation. God says, with the temptation, through the temptation, make a way to escape. Don't go overboard by showing intimidation or extreme fear uh, or anger to the enemy. He's defeated. The devil's defeated. He just doesn't know it yet. He's just going to keep trying until he gets put where he rightfully deserves to be. In that place that was prepared for the devil and his angels. See, he's going to keep trying everything in his arsenal to try to disrupt what God is doing. Let me tell you, our country and this world is ripe for revival. And we need to be praying for revival. Not just for that week that we have Brother and Mrs. Long come. Not just for those times that we think that we need revival. We always need revival. And there are people that are slipping off into eternity without Jesus Christ. That should break our hearts more than anything else. And, um, you know, the Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We can't overreact. Don't be overwhelmed. It's easy to get overwhelmed with this, everything that's going on in society. Genesis 50, verse 20, Joseph said, But as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. I think we need to utilize that vision. Where there's no vision, the people perish. And what God means for good, the devil's trying to make look, or the evil look good. And, um, you know, we think problems, predicaments, opponents are too great for us. We need to thank the Lord. Praise the Lord. In everything, give thanks. Paul said that. Can you believe, of all people, Paul went through some of the most difficult times that you will ever read about. In everything, give thanks. Paul, do you know what you're saying? Have you lost your mind? Did you get dipped in the oil that John was burned with? John was boiled in oil and didn't kill him. Then he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. Can you imagine? And and Paul went through some atrocities and some bad times, but he never charged God. He never blamed God. In everything, give thanks. Wow. You mean like 9-11? I'm not thankful for the situation, but I'm thankful for what God is doing through it. I'm not thankful for the situation, the pandemic, but I'm thankful for his protection. I'm thankful for salvation. I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful for the Bible. I've said this before. I'm thankful for his family. Because you know what? People are part of God's family. And it's all about pointing other people to Jesus. James 4, verse 6. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You know, you have to allow the Lord to determine what's best for you. How do you do that? Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Don't overdo certain things. 
uh, anything. People become so extreme in certain practices, they lose their balance. I've, I've heard of the, the phrase, they're so earth, uh, heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. They're always thinking about heavenly things, but they're no earthly good. They're not fulfilling the commands of the Lord. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Don't overemphasize hardships. We're all going through difficult times. Paul didn't say, poor me, look at what I'm going through. Can you believe it? That Philippian jailer beat me. He didn't deserve salvation. No, Paul didn't say that. Remember, he, he sprang in. The Philippian jailer sprang in. He knew that if one prisoner escaped, it was his life. And Paul said, Sir, do thyself no harm. We are all here. What must I do to be saved? Oh, believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Basically, is what Paul said. Him and his house got saved, and they got baptized. They washed their stripes and um, they, it was a different outlook. But he had something to remember from that Philippian jail. He had something to remind him it was worth it. Jesus got the glory through it. Did you know it's painful sometimes to think about the past? And I even think of Paul thinking about the past that he went through and the difficulties that he faced. He had some scars. He had some, uh, probably some problems with his eyesight because of his encounter with Jesus Christ. You never know. God has a plan for your life. And it may take some scarring to get your attention. We may not understand this side of heaven, why certain adversity or opposition or hardships happen or come into our life, but we really need to know and what we really need to do is obey, follow, trust. Because those areas we don't really do. When we have difficult times, what do we do? We run away. We want to run. God will find a way when there seems to be no way. There's a song that talks about that. First Thessalonians, Paul says in chapter 5, verse 16, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's personal. Don't hesitate to take the offensive. You remember what David said to Goliath on the battlefield? In chapter 17, 1 Samuel, verse 45, Then said David to the Philistine, he's just a kid now, Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day the Lord will deliver thee into mine hand. And I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth and all, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. David, he didn't even own a little pocket knife. Oh, I left mine in my office. He, he used Goliath's sword to take his head off. Now, how did he know ahead of time that he was going to take his head off? God gave him peace. God gave him the victory before he even stepped on the battlefield. The victory belonged to God. 
Before any pandemic hit, the battle belongs to the Lord. Before those planes hit the towers, the battle belongs to the Lord. Before you got saved, the battle belonged to the Lord. The devil's fighting tooth and toenail against everything good that God wants to do in our lives, in the church's life, in individuals' lives, in families' lives. And what we have to do is stand fast. Learn to trust the Lord. Learn to be faithful. Learn to be discipled and disciplined. And learn to trust Him through everything that you go through. Proverbs 21, verse 31. The horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. We need to be prepared for the ministry that God has called us to. Ministry changes over the years, but the Bible never changes. You know what? We can be overjoyed. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Trust in the Lord and do good, and so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. One preacher said, I'm glad it came to pass because I didn't, it didn't come to stay. And this too shall pass. What we're going through, the difficulties we face, it's going to pass. And we have to learn, hey, look what God did in the past. Let's stay faithful to him. Let's learn to trust him more than we did yesterday. Let's learn to get close to him and allow his comfort and his arms of love to wrap around us and show the love of Christ to those that we come in contact. Our, our neighbors, they need to know that we love Christ. Not that we just hate something, but we love someone. Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change because of the circumstance. We've all changed. Our, it's nice to see your faces without your mask. You look at people's eyes and you don't know what they're thinking. You don't know what's going on in the pea brains. But you know, God designed us to have fellowship with one another. God designed us to get close to Him, to bring glory to Him. And you know what? We, in spite of the things that are going on in life, and I don't want to belittle those, uh, the diseases or the tragedies that have taken place in our history, but God placed us exactly where He can use us. He put us exactly where we can do the most good for the kingdom or cause most damage. Sometimes it's the ones that infiltrate the enemy that cause most damage. Think of the Trojan horse that came in and just a few guys that were in the Trojan horse and it defeated the enemy. And that's how the devil works. He wants to make evil look good and cause us to say, well, what's the big deal? Well, God says don't. Or God says go. Or God says do. Trust in the Lord and do good. Let's stand with our heads bowed. Ministries change over the years and the Bible never changes. The way we approach God is always the same. It's by faith. We trust Him for the results. And if you're here